you're listening to the Enneagram and Marriage Podcast. I'm your host, Krista Harden, and I'm so glad you showed up for our relationship chat today, as well as for you and your people. We're all about living intentionally here so you can experience joy and balance in your relationships once again or for the very first time. Be sure you hang with us on our social media platforms. And if you like research like I do, make sure you check out our website at enneagramandmarriage.com for our weekly newsletter, freebies, and so much more, as well as at Instagram and Facebook. We have so many goodies to share with you. Let's dive right in together. Okay, guys, I'm so glad that you're joining us for another juicy July episode of the Enneagram and Marriage Podcast. We are talking all about sex today and all month. We have on some great guests also to join me later this month. We have actual sexperts and we have couples of various pairings going to address this with us. So I'm really looking forward to that and I hope you are too. But right now we're in the middle of a two-part mini series talking about First of all, masculinity and femininity and how these and the whole patriarchy concept contribute to low sex drive in women. So make sure you pick up the first episode that was last week. It's only 18 or 19 minutes long. Totally doable for your commute or your walk. And then you get your fitness in too. Hope you're doing your self-care and your fun. So what I really want to impress upon you guys though, just as a 30 second reminder from last week is that you understand that we need both masculine and feminine energy in marriage and that we both have a need for some of it. And I use the example of the same one Terry Real uses. He's a therapist all over the world. And it's a really good one. It's that men who were fighting fires in 9-11 were able to both fight the fires with that masculinity as well as know how to cry and know the difference for the times of either. We absolutely need and have needed throughout historical relevance, lots and lots of protecting of the young and women and just look at mammals and you see that. And yet we live in a culture where women are unfortunately sometimes brutalized. And so there is a really important aspect of women teaching men how to nurture, how to be intimate. This was intuited to us or given actually as mismanners kinds of things, I know at least. But we also really, unfortunately, sometimes shame our men not to be able to be soft at all with emotions and we don't let them cry and it's it's confusing and it's awkward and they get made fun of. But I also, just to be honest, I mean, as a married listener or a single listener, your hope is to have a healthy marriage with a healthy sex life and some masculinity and femininity that's balanced. However, if it's too balanced, as famous therapist Esther Perel says, you know, what we want between the sheets we don't want on the street. But you get my point. Sometimes people want to be subjugated in ways that they would never want to be out in the world sexually. So how do we rid ourselves of that? How do we make sure that we are treating ourselves with love and respect and having playful fun, right? And you're going to hear somebody come on the podcast later this month and talk about having playful fun. And some people are like, oh my gosh, I love to play together in this or that way. And I'm not judging you guys at all. I just want you to have a way to reflect together as we process today's topic a bit more deeply. So instead of just that overview of masculinity and femininity leading us into these complex issues, I want to go somewhere with it. And where I want to go with that is you guys having a better sex life. And one of the biggest issues that people talked about in the collective and online and Instagram was that not only sometimes do they feel all touched out or have an emotional reaction after sex, but they just 
just don't want to have sex. They have a low sex drive. And we've been able to notice this as a major trend in marriage research as well and to find out that people have reasons for this. And that's exciting, right? Because when we have reasons, we can actually start to work on what to do instead. So I'm very encouraged by that. But I know that that's not the end of the story. But I will tell you, just as I told our collective a couple weeks ago, that these issues are usually sexual initiation. Women don't usually feel permission to initiate. Women feeling like they're mothers. Women as objects. And when I say women as moms, I think you know what I mean, moms to men. (laughs) And not they're just not, some of them are moms to kids. Women as objects, though, is the third one. And then division of labor, that women's chores are not fairly divided. And we'll talk about Uh, Of course, you know, we'll talk about it all, but just to blanket over it, like this is just a cultural issue that we've been handed down. I realize that the patriarchy has gotten us to good and bad places, both in terms of survival. But now that we're on this higher level area of learning together, we don't have to be on that bottom rung of survival. We are moving up and guess what? With less brutality, right? Let's just say that together. Let's mean it. And let's try to lean in together and learn what's better than controlling somebody else. What's better than being dominant over somebody? Being with, being loved for who you are, not because you forced it upon somebody. So whether that's a fantasy or not, um, and like I said, people will be chatting this month about various ideas that they have for you guys to be playful. But what I am trying to really get to the bottom of is there's some deep hurts and wounds that contribute to women not collectively wanting to have as much intimacy. And we know there's outliers, so we don't mean all women. We just mean, hey, if your woman doesn't want to have as much sex, here are some reasons probably why. And if you're that woman, here are some reasons why. Even if you have a high sex drive, um, it's not that you don't want to have sex. It's that you don't want to have sex with him. So I want to help people to understand that so that they don't leave bewildered. But it all starts with, you know, just these four issues, at least in part. And yet we also have to add in very quickly that we have had some good biological research and hormone research as well. And we've even talked about it on this podcast that you sometimes have reasons by way of your hormonal cycle or just the ways that you're aging that things change or maybe some fertility issues that have changed things around or trauma. So all of that we take into account as well. But because we know things are a bit more complicated and not just super simple and super basic easy, this dialectic we've looked at in the past, I'm bringing in these issues not because I want to make things more unnecessarily complex, but I want you guys to get it on. I want you guys to have fun getting it on. I want you to be respectful, but be playful too. So hopefully once we talk about these, there's something you can bring up together. Just like I said last week, don't bring it up at a time when you guys are stressed or it's not a helpful time to talk about it. So the first thing I want to bring up is sexual initiation. A lot of times culturally, as much work as has been done in this area, women report still not feeling as much permission to say that they're interested in sex. It's got to be discussed in your marriage, but like me, you're probably realizing that a lot of women feel like they're just more empathic and they're more soft often. And and this doesn't necessarily go for the woman who says, no, man, I love this. Like I'm going for it. Like I'm not going to like when I try to stereotype types with this, people get so mad. They're like, oh my gosh, I'm a two who doesn't do that. I'm a seven who doesn't do that. So I don't want to do that as much. But um, as far as just 
you know, at least I can say statistically, the reason women don't necessarily feel as much permission to initiate sex needs to be talked about in your home to figure out, do you feel comfortable asking me for sex? And chances are she's been socialized differently. She's played with dolls. She's been taught to be a nurturer and she hasn't been allowed to talk about it as much even in her sports. And so when you were on, maybe if you're a guy listening, the basketball court, or the football team, maybe you were able to talk about that. I know with my son, he's 10. He started having people talk about that to him when he was about seven, although I did too. I think that that's something that isn't talked about as much as women. And to be honest, even when it is amongst little girls, sometimes it's not done in a way that is fun. It's done in sometimes even an abusive way. So it's really important to understand that yes, men can be abused too, and women can be abusers. What I want you guys to discover together is how do we bring this conversation out more safely? Because of this big cultural dialectic and difference between men and women, how can us two figure out ways for her to feel safe telling me that she wants to make love or have sex, however you guys like to say it. And something I am going to say that's an interesting phenomenon is that men do struggle with rejection. So when they ask, they can get tripped up as well because they can say, I hate rejection and I don't want to ask if I don't know that she's wanting sex. So please understand this is not easy for guys either sometimes, but understand this, that unless it's a really big issue, it is okay to ask for intimacy with your partner. And what I want to remind you of is if they say no, do some healthy CBT. And that's cognitive behavioral therapy just inside of your head. You can even, if you're a person of faith, remember Philippians 4, 8, think on things that are good. But you're in the avoidance track right now, and that's not a good space for marriage. Better is I asked, I was confrontive, I was pleasant about it. They said no, but... Now I start in with the CBT, which is, okay, well, you know what? They said they were tired. They said that since we'd had a long day or an argument earlier or whatever the reason was, they weren't interested. They weren't rejecting me as a whole. And if they were really traumatized and having a bad day, and it's been a bad day every day for the last few months, it might be the time you say, you know what? Like this was confirmation that I'm sad and we need some help. And that's when you guys really work with somebody or do your own work at home. So it doesn't mean that you guys will have the end of the world just because they reject you for sex. But it is important to note it, to see what it's about, and to not shame yourself. Notice all of those solutions that I had to you being rejected were forward moving or even just sitting in the present, maybe even a bit of grieving, but none of them were shaming. All of them were just solutions focused, even if they had empathy and lament. So I want you to include that. Like I am empathic towards myself. I feel sad or I'm just going to allow myself some time to grieve or let's make sure we make that appointment. But whatever it is, I don't want you to allow your thoughts to creep in like that are shameful. Like, oh, 
this just confirms that I don't deserve sex or that I'm being punished or that they hate me. And so watch for those negative stories you're telling yourself and have some conversations. Don't tell your spouse that you're afraid that you're going to be stripped of all of your masculinity or femininity if you're not with each other. Because I know a lot of people are afraid of that in culture at large right now on both sides. But I also know that in your marriage, if you guys can have some deep breaths together and some conversations, you probably find you actually feel quite safe together and that you just need to be bolder with the conversations. Now, because that's not the only issue, we're going to talk about the other three. And I actually think they may be a bit bigger. Women don't always want to have sex or initiate because they have a low desire. So let's get even deeper into that. Sometimes it's, I feel like your mother and I'm parenting you. And that is a conversation that's worth having if you think in any way it might be relating to your sex life. It's really important to be able to clarify that with each other. And if you're the man listening to say, hey, I was listening to this podcast. What do you think? Is this a factor? Or vice versa, if you're the woman, is this a factor? Why don't you guys check it out and see if it is? Because that's a really important piece to the story. If you're like, I'm spoon feeding you and I don't respect you. And then you turn me over and treat me like garbage in the bedroom, I'm not interested because I'm not your toy. And that leads us into the next topic, which is women as objects. And I think these two kind of go really well together. And that is women really allowing themselves to be objectified and women even doing that to each other. And this is a topic that we could literally just take all day and spin out on. So I try not to spin out on it too far. But that's another topic you can bring into your marriage. And that is, do you treat me like an object, whether you mean to or not? Because maybe we were both socialized this way. And we probably were. I was sharing with the collective about how I had nursed my two daughters and was living my happy life when a friend came up to me and said, I bought you a bra. And I was really kind of surprised because she said, I noticed that you were letting your breasts hang and they weren't (laughs) as attractive as they could be. And I was just shocked because I was like, wait a second, like, I don't think that that's really her business, but I also understood she was coming from a place of love. So I was practical. You know, I'm a thinking triad person. I took it. I received it. But afterwards, my daughter, many years later, recently said to me something about it. And I said, you know, the reason I wear this bra is because you guys did this to me and we were just joking and teasing. But the truth was, wait a second, why was I being shamed for not wearing a bra that made my breasts look differently? And some of you are like, oh my gosh, this conversation's so old, it's so 2000. But I also know that some of you haven't thought that much about this conversation. So I have to pull us all into that same space of this is an important conversation because it goes back to last week's episode a bit about femininity and wearing pink and how some of us are like culturally, we revere the couples out there who are women usually working hard. I mean, there's going to be, like I said, the bell curve and lots and lots and lots of people out there in the bell curve. So please know that I totally get that, receive that I'm a working woman myself. But there's still going to be a lot of this where there's femininity and there's spaces in our lives where you might be that working woman, but yet you're the one going to get your nails done and your hair done and you like it. And I look at all the people who followed our Instagram. By the way, thank you so much for 20K on the Instagram. I was really thankful for that. I wanted to say, 
I'm really glad that you're who you are and that you feel permission to be feminine. I don't feel that that's bad at all. But I also want to help you guys to understand that when women come into the bedroom and feel like they have to look, this is where it really comes in big, perfect, or they have to look like a porn star, but really they're just tired and you're maybe saying to them as the husband, you look great. Maybe they don't feel it, not only because they're watching the Kardashians or who knows, but maybe it's because they have seen some inadvertent looks you've given to other women. Maybe you flirted with other women who fit that stereotype and they were hurt. Or maybe you're like me and you had another woman confront you about it and you're like, I don't know how to do this because you're saying I'm fine, but she's not saying I'm fine. So I think we've gotten to a really good space generally. And I really believe this about the listeners here. Yes, I'm an idealist, but I believe this, that we are trying really hard to let people be who they are, that we're like, you know what, like if you want to be a Victoria's Secret model. That's up to you. If you want to not wear a bra at all because you've heard studies about breast cancer, that's fine too. Or you're burning your bra. Uh, I know that that was going around in the 60s or 70s that Wes's great aunts talk about. So it's important that you understand that there's a lot of perspectives, but in your marriage, do you feel like a mother to your spouse? If you're the spouse, are you letting your wife parent you and then treating them badly once you get behind closed doors? Are you coming to some softness and intimacy together? And especially around this whole objectification, I liked what I read about feeling sexy versus feeling sexual. I think it's okay to feel both, first of all. But I think when we think of sexy, we think of what does the culture tell me about being sexy? And we might try to move in ways that we've seen others in culture do, but feel like we don't measure up to them. And I think it's more important to try to feel sexual, like who you are is attractive if you're doing your best to just live each day and be a comfortable human being with somebody else. For some of you, that might be like a clean human being, or for some of you, it might be an attractive human being or whatever your preference is. Are you being the way you and your spouse feel the most comfortable and safe together? And do you both feel comfortable and safe together? Or does one of you feel objectified? And that is not for me to judge. It's not for you to judge about me. It's just something that you need to be talking about inside of your bedroom because it's happening culturally. It's happening as a general. And then the real quick thing I want to kind of caveat with this one was pornography has kind of taken over a lot of marriages and there's people who have been studying the research and and I like to read research from all different sides but uh, even amongst sides that don't invalidate porn use but I want to tell you that in general people are 12% less satisfied when they use pornography and it goes a lot higher if you have standards of faith, using it actually make you feel less good about yourself. So for those who are saying, I really do want to keep my eyes for my spouse as much as possible, really to try to find my resolution of climactic enjoyment with my spouse only, then I think that that's another factor to consider is if you are expecting your spouse to move in all kinds of ways that they aren't used to and they just know you like watching porn or reading it, they're like, I just don't feel the same vibes toward you because I know that you're saying you're not comparing me to that person, but we kind of both know you are. So that's important for you guys to figure that out together because I think it makes 
a lot decreased satisfaction for those couples who really don't want to use it. And then even for those in general, like especially because it can kind of take over and replace and then it's harder to get an erection. So I think that sometimes that leads into the brutal treatment of one another, because as you've heard me say before, sometimes we've heard over 79% of pornography is violence toward women. So that's not a conversation we want to stop. And then the last one was, how are you guys doing with the division of labor at home? Are you guys really trying on that? Or are you guys really failing on that and not talking about it? And she's just doing everything inside and all the chores that are ongoing that are never ending laundry dishes. And yet she's still working hard and doing a lot. And I know that it's going to be different for everyone's energy level. So you can't just black and white this either. It's not that easy, but it has to be something that you both at least discuss and say, if we're having a low sex drive, especially among the person who's at home, even if it's not the woman, let's talk about the why, because that could be really important to our whole story together. So I wanted you guys to have all four of these things. Once again, I'll repeat it sexual initiation with a woman, not feeling as comfortable or culturally as able to ask for sex because you might be labeled a slut or worse. Women as moms who are feeling like, uh, I don't feel like their wife. I feel like I'm their parent. And then they turn around and ask for sex. And it's like, yuck, I don't want to do this with you because we don't have that kind of relationship. Or we have women as objects where they, by just cultural norms, have been treated this way. And yes, there's something you can do about it, even if it is a cultural norm. And then lastly, women having a division of labor at the home that feels fair to them. And so it's not that we're any of us trying to bash a man. If you're the man listening, it's literally like, how can you have more good sex in your home? How can you guys feel safer together? How can you feel more intimate? How can you guys both feel strong and emotional? These are the conversations that would be so worthy of your time this month as we really take time here at Enneagram and Marriage to examine this. And if you want past episodes on sex addiction, or we have episodes with Sheila Ray Gregoire, her book is so good. She has multiple books a great website. So make sure you check out her as she's trying to do this work from a faith perspective. And then we also, like I said, really want to remind you, Jay Stringer has an amazing course for sex addiction. Dr. Camden Morganti's been on to try to give us tips about sex as a sex therapist. So we continue to try to learn together and we're still learning. Nobody is one person at fault, but we're just learning and we're growing together. Hopefully we're glowing together. Hopefully you'll get that bedroom glow on. And I really wish you the best this week and onward as we journey through July together. Okay. Have a great day, you guys. Bye-bye. Thank you again for listening with us. It was so wonderful to have you. I love knowing we're doing this journey together, not perfectly, but with love, grace, and hopefully some fun too. If you loved today's episode, make sure you leave us a five-star review at Apple Podcast or Spotify so others can find it too. Visit our show notes so you can get all the links from today's show, as well as enneagramandmarriage.com, the Instagram, the Facebook, and all over the place. Make sure you spread the word. Love living intentionally with you. Bye-bye.